Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of McMinnville podcast. Founded in 2007, UUFM is a gathering place for people who embrace a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We are located in the heart of Oregon's Willamette Valley wine country. Please visit us on the web at macuuf.org, M-A-C-U-U-F dot org. And if you are ever in or near the McMinnville area, don't hesitate to stop by and visit us. UUFM gathers in love and service for justice and peace. It's a pleasure to introduce uh, Reverend Gary Mangenwalter, uh, who is visiting. You have lots of information about him in your bulletin. Um, I'm hoping maybe he will share some more things uh, as part of his discussion, his uh, talk. So uh, welcome, Reverend Gary. Thank you, Fan. Yes. And having watched what happened with the mic two weeks ago, could somebody help me adjust it? I would break it. <laughs> but it's too low for me. It needs to come up some. It is a different stand. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> okay. That should work a little better. Does it help if I turn it on? Uh, And she said there was water here. I thought I'd look for it rather than just reaching and knocking it over. So, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was Christmas Eve, 9.30 at night. Janet, my wife, and I had finally gotten our two preschoolers to bed, finally. And the boxes for the toys were in my shop. Two of the boxes said, some assembly required in fine print. Two hours later, after drilling and using a lot of my own hardware and saying some words that a pastor should never think, let alone say, I had one of them fully assembled, and the other was all assembled except it was missing a PAL nut for the axle to hold the wheel on the axle. Evansville, Indiana, midnight Christmas Eve, there are no hardware stores open. So, a little more assembly was required the day after Christmas. <coughs> Life can be like the warning label on the toy boxes. Because each of our lives requires some assembly. From time to time, the assembly process can be sort of, eh, whatever, and every now and then it gets really, really intense. Now, have you ever been through, this is sort of a quasi-rhetorical question, have you ever been through a major life change? Anybody who's over about five should bob their head yes. <laughs> okay, ever been married, divorced, lost a loved one, gone from being childless to being a parent? Gone from employed to unemployed or back? Yeah. yeah. Right? You're breathing, right? You're here. So these life events occur whether we want them to or not. Sometimes we choose to leave an employer or to get married or get divorced. Sometimes somebody chooses it for us. But that doesn't matter as much. What matters is how we deal with it. 
And the model of how to deal with it that works for me best was created by Bill Bridges some 20 plus years ago. He's written several books about it. Every book has the word transitions in the title. Remember cartoon characters when we were much younger where somehow the head would go screaming off and then the feet would catch up afterward. Or the feet would go screaming off and the head would catch up afterward. That's a transition, the ooh squeeze. A transition is when your emotions have the privilege of having to catch up with external events. So a transition has three stages. First is letting go of the old. Second is what Bridges politely calls the neutral zone. I've got a better term for it. And the third is the new beginning. You with me on that? Can everybody hear me okay? Okay, now if I talk a little louder, does this work? Okay, I will swallow the mic. Thank you. First is letting go. Sounds easy. It isn't necessarily easy. Nothing can change until you let go of the old. A ship can't get across the Atlantic until it lets go of the ropes that are tying it to the dock in New York City. If you're trying to swim, you can't get far until you let go of the edge of the pool. But letting go is not always easy. Sometimes it can be really, really hard. It means letting go of the comfortable patterns, the certainties that we enjoyed, having to actually think what we're doing. It might require letting go of an identity. Do you know somebody who's retired, who didn't want to be retired, and mentally, emotionally, they're still working? Or a person who was a sports star in their youth, but they're no longer in their youth, but still they're living there. Now, I had a cousin years ago who got married when he was very, very young, and he kept acting like a bachelor after he was married. <laughs> and how long do you think that marriage lasted? I mean, we can see it at the wedding. He was wow. acting like a bachelor, not good. So, when I left PricewaterhouseCoopers, where I was working as a consulting manager, to start my own consulting firm, I was terrified. I had my wife, our two elementary school kids, a Massachusetts-sized mortgage, we were living outside of Boston, Boston, sorry. <laughs> uh, virtually no professional network, we had moved there earlier that year to take the job with Coopers, PricewaterhouseCoopers, and every marketing I had done belonged to them, because belong to them, so I had no network of my own. We had no income, no health insurance, no colleagues, no office, no structure for my days. It was total career and social free fall. I was petrified. I was equally scared 46 years ago on August 5th when I was waiting for my wife soon to be wife to walk up the aisle to get married. Because I'd watched my sister go through divorce, half my friends from high school had gone through divorces already. I was getting married for the first time. I said, why do I think that my marriage will be any different? Why do I think 
that will last bunches of years. Well, 46 years later, we're still together, so maybe we'll make it. <laughs> and two weeks ago, who all was here, privileged to hear Lanisha talk two weeks ago? Show hands. Okay. For those who were here, remember that she started, she created a restaurant. I think it was in Nehalem. She was within one week of opening the restaurant, having put blood, sweat, tears, and money into it, and realized it was not going to work, so she stopped and walked away. She let go within one week of the grand opening, before it opened. So, this is where you get to think a little bit. I'd like you to remember a time when you had a major life event where you had to let go. Two questions, how easy was it to let go? And how long did it take to let go? Let's take 30 seconds and just think about it, each person. Could you each come up with at least one? Yeah, you're all over five, yes, okay. So, I'm telling you what you already know. Letting go takes courage. It takes real courage. Whether it's voluntary or involuntary, you get the privilege of facing uncertainty, of stepping out into the void, hoping like heck you can glue on feathers and fly, or that there's a big mattress down below. From a spiritual growth perspective, the first step of growing is letting go. Letting go of control, letting go of preconceptions, just letting go. And trusting that a higher power will lead you to the next step. Some of my friends have tie tacks that say, let go, let God. That's what that is. The whole Buddhist philosophy of being un unattached with what's going on. That's what that is. It's letting go. So I've got one simple, I'll call it ground rule or whatever, for uh, letting go. Do it with dignity. You have not failed. You have gone through an experience. You have gotten results. It's time to move on. You get to celebrate all that you want to celebrate about it. You get to grieve if you need to grieve. And then you get to close the door, turn in the key, and walk away. I did that with an office that I was closing one time. Had big dreams, it lasted about a year, and then things didn't work so well, and I finally got to put everything in the U-Haul truck and haul it back to my home office and lock the door and turn the key into the landlord. What letting go feels like. After you've done at least some letting go and you're into this free fall, Bridges calls it the neutral zone. Can you hear me now, okay? Okay. He calls it the neutral zone. I call it chaos on steroids, and I'm still being very polite. In a neutral zone, a person just feels ungrounded. You've got no idea who you are, where you're going, how it's going to work, whatever. 
you want chocolate or pistachio ice cream and you can't even make the decision. Just there is no way to decide anything. So typical symptoms, and this sounds like a medical, you know, a supplement advertisement, typical symptoms include loss of energy, loss of appetite, mild depression, just feeling bleh, why bother to get it up? You don't matter, whatever. That's because the way you used to organize your life isn't there anymore. The old goals and structures aren't there anymore. You don't know what you're working toward anymore. So, in is normal. The new way of working has not yet been formed. And at this point, you're also vulnerable. You, you all know that crabs, when they molt their old shells, sort of crawl into a rock for a couple of days to, until the new shells harden enough to protect them. That's the neutral zone. You sort of want to go crawl under the rock and pull it over you and hide. Yeah, good idea. The neutral zone is uncomfortable. Nobody ever said it was fun. And it can be scary, absolutely. And it is a faith walk. Yeah. It means admitting that we're not in control. Now for some people, sometimes the old way starts looking really good and they'd like to go back there. When the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, they started wishing they were back in Egypt started complaining to Moses, ah, back in Egypt we had all this food to eat, we didn't have to worry, we're going to die out here in the desert, we're going to starve to death. What are you doing, Moses? Let's go back. Typical neutral zone. And I've known more than one person who in the neutral zone couldn't handle it and went back to the old way, which they could, build a big wall around themselves walled themselves inside and watched their soul die. Because that's what happens if you do that. Since a person does not know what the new beginning will look like, a neutral zone requires lots of waiting. And I'm not very good at waiting. Anybody who knows me knows that patience is not my middle name. I should never be a doctor because I don't have any patience. Bad joke, sorry. <laughs> The neutral zone, if you do it, if you can live through it, it's really a blessing in disguise. I forget which movie star said, that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's what the neutral zone does, makes you stronger. It's, the, it's where you create new ideas, new ways of being, new, new ways to operate. In fact, it's the only place you can do that because when you're all Nicely structured, there's no place for creativity to happen. Not real creativity. So it can be a place of tremendous energy and ideas and possibilities. Yeah. And you get some and you discard them and you get some and then you put two together that you discarded and they still don't work and you just keep working on it and working on it and sooner or later stuff starts coming back together. A neutral zone. A neutral zone is like these Legos. Who knows what shape they'll take? You can make a spaceship out of this. You can make the Tour Eiffel, the Eiffel Tower. You can make whatever you want. There they are. And a neutral zone is basically your life waiting to be worked on. 
These are much beloved work gloves, and that's what it's all about. Some assembly required. So I've been in neutral zones several times, as have you. One of those times, in fact, was when I said yes to leaving the for-profit world, and I said yes to a call to ordained ministry. Big change. After 20 years of saying no, this is a thick German skull. So let's take another 30 seconds and ask you to remember a time when you were in the neutral zone. What was it like and how long did it last? So please remember your neutral zone, at least one of them. just ways to do well in the neutral zone. Number one is be gentle with yourself, be gentle with others. Because you're vulnerable, and just you know, let the pricklies go away. You get to love yourself, love each other, and you get to accept, that's to understand and realize that you are not going to be as productive, you are not going to be as decisive, you shouldn't even try it's like trying to run a marathon with a broken leg and a cast. You just, you're not capable of doing it. So because of that, please refrain, if you can, from making major decisions, like selling a house or moving or whatever. Instead, I invite you to go do things to nurture your soul, like going up to the Abbey in Lafayette or Ashley Carlton and taking a picnic and just hanging out for the day, or taking up skydiving, or basket weaving, or hanging out at the local pub and listening to the Irish band. Do something that gives you joy, that feeds your soul. Support your creative side. Take up an art class. Whatever. That's ground rule number one for neutral zone. Ground rule number two is the neutral zone, as I've said before, is a faith walk. You can't do it by yourself. In the neutral zone, you get to be willing to live with the uncertainty and the discomfort until their work is done. And trying to hurry up a neutral zone is like pulling up corn every three days to see, are you growing it? Are you growing it? Or, yeah, it doesn't help. Your mind will be screaming, are we there yet? The answer is no. Your friends are going to be, well, let's do this. No, I'm not ready yet. You have to have the courage to just keep yourself pulled away a bit. Because you can't get in gear when you're in the neutral zone because you don't know where you're going yet. I could go anywhere I want if I knew where it was. Okay, so first we did the letting go, then we've been through the neutral zone, chaos on wheels, and finally, Finally, a new beginning emerges. That's never nearly soon enough. We've all wanted them a lot quicker. <clears throat> Sometimes it arrives like flash, you know, clap of thunder, you know, flash of lightning. There it is, Eureka, I found it. Sometimes it is so subtle that we don't even know we've got the new beginning going until two months into it. So like sitting in 
the Amtrak if he uh, did Portland at the downtown station, and you're talking with your friend, talking with Ken, listening about Mr. Beagle and Latoya Phil, and he's telling a great story, and you look over and the trees and houses are going by about 30 miles an hour. Well, when did we start? I had no idea we were moving. Sometimes the new beginning is like that, just sneaks up on you. And frequently, Usually, the new beginning is something you hadn't thought of before. In your old way of being, old way of operating, that new beginning just didn't look possible. That's why you have to be in the neutral zone for a while to let the old structures keep it go so you, the new one can start. You need to be in the neutral zone for the universe to show you what it wants you to be to show you the new beginning in a way that you can get it. So let's take another 30 seconds. Remember a time when you experienced a new beginning and what was it like? 30 seconds. I've got a simple suggestion for when you're in the new beginning. Number one, you get to celebrate. Yay, I'm in a new beginning. Number two, you get to remember how you got there. So the next time you go through a transition, you say, yeah, I've been through these before. I'll make it through again. You're not quite so scared in the neutral zone. We're not quite so scared of letting go. And number three, you can help others through their transitions. Be sensitive to them and just help them on their journey, like good you used should, right? That's, we're all here together. We are a community. So now that we've covered the basic process, there's three more aspects that I'd like to make sure you understand. So this is a holistic process. So number one, please be aware that this is not a linear process. The way it really works is I do some letting go, and then I'm in neutral zone, and I think there's a new beginning, and it doesn't work, and there's some more letting go I have to do, and more time in the neutral zone, and, and it just keeps going around and around in a spiral, sort of, until finally things start really coalescing out. I will guarantee you the neutral zone takes at least twice as long as you think it should. That's on a good day. And it is not iterative. It's all smushed together, sort of like spaghetti. So number two, remember that the entire process is a faith journey. The letting go is a faith journey. For those who remember the book of Genesis, Abram was married to Sarai, and he heard the word of the Lord saying, Abram, pack up, leave everything behind, everything you've known, and go to a place that I will show you. Not go to Canaan, go to a place that I will show you. He couldn't get his smartphone out and say, oh, so how do we get to Canaan and where's the bed and breakfast on the way? It's, that's a faith journey. You are not alone. You're with good company. You get to step forward in faith that things will work out the way they're supposed to. And number three, this process works just as well for groups as it does for individuals. I've watched corporations change their name, 
get rid of old product lines, the ones that used to be who they were, and to embrace new product lines and just totally change their, their culture, the way of being. I've led strategic planning retreats for nonprofits in which those groups decide, here's what we're going to let go of, and here's what we're going to do instead. So, my question is, would this process also be applicable to UUFM? And if so, which zone would you be in right now as a group? Letting go, neutral zone, or new beginning? So let's take 30 seconds to think about this one. Thank you. <coughs> I'm done.